0: you are listening to the Piedmont Church Podcast. To learn more about Piedmont Church, including our gathering times in Macon, you can visit us online at piedmontchurch.net. So, this morning we are in week five of our trek through the book of Jonah. If you have your Bibles with you, as Danny read for us this morning, we're going to be beginning in the latter part of chapter 2, but we're going to be moving quickly into chapter 3. And so uh, if you have a Bible, I would love for you to turn there with me uh, as we read in just a moment and reread and kind of walk through some of the scriptures. Before we get to that point, uh, life is a journey, isn't it? Uh, you know, there, there are some days when, I, I don't know if you're like me, but you, you feel like you, you've reached the mountaintop, Right? Like, you, you've, you've accomplished something. All things are kind of going in the direction that you would like to see them go. I mean, things are just moving. Like, things are working really well. And then there's those other days, right, when you, don't, you can't seem to catch your breath, and every time you look up, you can't even see the top of the mountain. That's kind of how life is. It's this journey where there's some days that everything is working, maybe even weeks, maybe even months. And then there's other times when nothing seems to be going your way. This past summer, I had the privilege of taking a group of our folks to Magdalena, Guatemala as missionaries and partnered with an organization that we've worked with uh, for many, many years. And one of the, the joys of that trip is there's one day, really like a half day, that we get to go climb a volcano. I think I have a picture uh, of our group that, that year. Uh, and, and let me just tell you, climbing a volcano is is it's like nothing else. I mean, you can say it's like a mountain, but it's not, because it's a volcano, right? Like I remember taking a video and I sent it to my family and apparently both my, my son and my daughter's response was, Mom, why is he on a volcano? Couldn't it erupt at any moment? And uh, thankfully it's not that exciting. Um, but there, there is something special about climbing that volcano. There, there's just, uh, you know, a moment uh, that when you get to the top, you get to see all of the glory and the splendor that our Lord created. But let me tell you something. To get to that point is not so easy. Uh, we've taken a number of people on this trip. We, we've taken people who, you know, are in physically fit, top-notch shape of their life. And they are gassed about halfway up. Here's the thing. Climbing a volcano when you get to the top, you are 7,500 feet above sea level. That means for you, you're sitting probably, I don't know, like 189 right now, 201 above sea level. Give you some, some kind of context. Uh, the NFL, they go to Denver. They play at a stadium called the Mile High Stadium. That's how many feet above sea level? Any question? Any, any answers? 5,000 and somebody got it. 5,280. I knew I had some smart people in this church. Y'all are brilliant. So 5,280. Now these are NFL professional athletes. Do you think they flew out the day before they're going go to go play in Denver? They don't. They actually fly out several days earlier so that their lungs can begin to accommodate and, and acclimate to what is going on because they're now so high. Then you take me and my physical fitness, and the rest of our group, who is much better than me, and you say, "Hey, go climb a volcano." Now, thankfully, at least one third of it, I am on the back of a horse, and that horse loved every moment of it. But there, there, there is moment after moment. I, I think James has a good story. If you, James, raise your hand down front. This is James Douth. He's got a really good story. He's, he's a, you know, a man among children in this room. He climbed the entire volcano. No horse at all with a broke leg uphill both ways. And I mean, he is, I'm just messing. He did climb the entire volcano one year, uh, and it's amazing. It's, it's a cool thing. But there comes a moment when you're climbing this volcano, maybe multiple moments, when you're going, my view is good enough right here, right? I think I can see enough. I don't need to get to the top. There was one moment this past year, Avery Kemper decided, Chris, let's race, and I'm going, okay, I've been kind of going to Orange Theory. Let's do this. I can take on a 20-year-old girl who's in pretty good physical fit. I can do that. And for about 45 yards, I had her. She beat me to the top, though. And I thought I was going to die. <laughs> but when I got to the top, man, it, I think I have a picture of the top. It was beautiful. This isn't even the best picture. There's multiple pictures you could take. I mean, it is, it is breath taking when you get to the top. All the steps and all the strain were completely worth it. And and this idea is what I believe God is going to reveal to us in the text this morning. The, The idea that to see what you've never seen will require you to do what you've never done. To see what you've never seen will require you to do what you've never done. No matter where you are in life this morning, I, I believe that God is calling you to something. Like, right now, where you sit, I, I have a firm belief that God is calling you to do something, to go somewhere, to, to to fully flesh out the will of God in your life. Look, all of us want better lives. We, we want less p- pain. We want... Less stress, we want less anxiety, we want less struggle. And the world would teach us ways to kind of get rid of pain and stress and anxiety and struggle. The world teaches us kind of self improvement methods, the hard work of self-improvement. And before I go down this path, let me say I believe in self-improvement. I, I believe it can help a lot of issues. If you're having struggles uh, with energy, maybe watch your diet. Maybe look at it. Maybe examine h- how, how your uh, exercise work, workout is. Maybe look at your sleep routine. You know, Maybe look at how much you're looking at screens. There's, there's adjustments that we can make, right? Self-improvement adjustments that we can make to improve certain aspects. Maybe if you're having relationship issues, maybe you can begin to kind of look inward internally to go hey maybe maybe I'm the problem in a relationship most of us like to find that answer don't we right when there's a relationship when there's a relationship struggle we usually go it's their fault but maybe sometimes maybe maybe, just maybe it's your fault maybe you're the one who's not asking the right questions and you're not being vulnerable whatever it is we like to point the finger but what happens when you point the finger there's three pointing back at you so I think there's a lot of solutions to a lot of problems in self-improvement world. But if I'm being truthful, if I'm being 100% honest, I think a lot of the self-improvement things we can find as far as it regards to our life and purpose and the way we were designed and what we're supposed to do, most of those things are mere Band-Aids. Have you, have you heard of the, the, the fix-it-all of Flex Seal? Raise your hand if you've, if you've used Flex Seal before. Okay, a few of us, I, I think there's this fun little commercial, right? He, he takes this boat, and he cuts out, and he puts a window screen in there, and he sprays it with Flex Seal, and he pushes out onto the pond, and oh, he doesn't sink. It's amazing. Flex Seal fixes all. I mean, if you watch his commercials, you should build a car out of Flex Seal. Like you sh- I mean, everything that we're in should be made of Flex Seal. What he doesn't show is what happens to Flex Seal when it sits out in 99-degree weather in Macon for a year, three years, ten years. Right? It dry rots. It cracks. It peels away. You can spray it on your roof because you have, we have lots of roof leaks, you know, at this church. I don't know if you know that. You can get up there and spray Flex Seal on it, and it'll work for 30 days. And then it's going to stop working, and that leak's going to be back. Man, I thought I fixed it. No. You just put a Flex Seal on it. Right, You you did the the easy, the quick work. Flex Seal fixes a moment. But over time, that will crack and crumble like other things. And so if we want to see real change, self-improvement can help in the short term. There's some things that you can do to help yourself fix some small things in your life. But if you want to see long-term results then you've got to start doing things that you've never done. Henry Ford says, if you always do what you've always done, you'll always get what you've always got. And so I want to ask a question. As it pertains to your life, you probably have an issue somewhere in your life right now, right? I mean, if you don't, man, praise the Lord. I mean, literally, we should. Because there's always an issue in our life somewhere. Whether it's an eternal issue, we'll get to that in a minute. But I think a lot of times as Christians, we don't necessarily struggle with the eternal issue, right? Because we've been sealed with that promise in Christ. But I think we struggle with the day in and day out issue. Like, how do I fix this? This is broken. I'm always mad at this. I'm not happy with this. I'm struggling with that. Whatever it is, we, we always just kind of go, man, I need a victory here. And, and maybe there's a way to find a victory where you never thought there would be. And this is what Jonah found to be true, and I believe we can find it as well. Before we dive into the text, a pastor, David Platt, says this. He says, radical obedience to Christ is not easy. It's not comfort. It's not wealth, not health, and not prosperity in this world. Radical obedience to Christ risks losing all of these things. But in the end, such risk finds its reward in Christ, and he is more than enough for us so if we want to find answers that maybe we've never seen before we're going to start having to ask questions that we've never asked before and i believe jonah inspired by the holy spirit and his story is going to show us this answer so jonah chapter 2 beginning in verse 10 and the lord spoke to the fish and it vomited jonah out upon the dry land now in case this was your first week or you've missed a couple of weeks, I want to kind of update you on where we are with Jonah's story. So Jonah, beginning in this book, gets a call from God to go to a city in Nineveh. Now this city of Nineveh sits at the capital of a country called Assyria, and they're violent, vicious people. They're dangerous. They are the worst of the worst. And so instead of going to Nineveh because he's afraid for his life or whatever else may be, Jonah flees to go to a city called Tarshish. Nineveh is about 550 miles northeast. Tarshish is about 2,500 miles west. Gets on a boat, goes the exact opposite direction, four times as long as he was called to go in the first place. Now along this trip, the Lord sends a storm Jonah's way. Literally while he's on a boat, it says the Lord sent this storm. And through all of the peril of this storm, the crew decides to throw Jonah overboard with Jonah's idea. Think about that. Jonah gets thrown overboard into this storm, into the sea, about to die. And then the Lord sends a fish to come swallow Jonah. And for a couple of days and a couple of nights, Jonah then is in the belly of this fish. And Jonah, if you read through the entire chapter 2, kind of doesn't plead, but is thankful to God. I mean, he kind of writes this proverb-type thing, this soliloquy back to God of thank you for saving me from the sea. Now, he's in the belly of a fish, right? And he's thankful that he's not dead yet because he doesn't know what's going to happen. And right here, we pick up the end of this chapter, verse 10, in that moment of Jonah's repentance, in that moment of Jonah's full realization of what is going on in his life, the Lord causes... The fish to vomit Jonah up upon dry land next verse after this moment it says then the word of the Lord came to Jonah when you read that text I think this is a good pause moment for all of us to ask the question do you know the word of the Lord do you know the word of the Lord I think it's a big thing to know God's will. It's a popular thing. I mean, we, we, we probably ask it multiple times in our life, maybe even on a regular basis. Like, I wonder what God's will is for this situation. I, I wonder what God would have me do in this situation. Maybe you've asked the question, I, I wonder what God's will is for my life. I mean, a popular pastor, Rick Warren, wrote, wrote a book that, that took the world, not just like the Christian world, but like the world purpose-driven life. Like, what is God's will for my life? It's a huge question. And and I've Googled answers, and I've asked pastors, and a lot of times I get an answer that I'm not really satisfied with. And and maybe you're going to leave here this morning, you're going to go, ah, that's the same me. But what I've found is that this answer, this idea of how do we find God's will is actually pretty simple. And we're going to get to that in just a moment. But I want to lean into what the cast, or the crew, excuse me, did to find God's will for Jonah in that situation. Remember, the storm is there, so they're on the boat together. This is before Jonah gets thrown over. What do they do to figure out God's will? They essentially take some dice, and they say, Jonah, you're seven, Josh, you're three, Jimmy, you're six, Sally, you're seven. You're, you're eight. Boom. Oh, it's seven. Jonah, you done messed up, homie. We're throwing you overboard. That's what they do. Now, in the Old Testament, I I talked about this. There's some some ideas behind God kind of using this, but we no longer use this, and we'll talk about that a little more. But this is sometimes what we do for our life, isn't it? We kind of make decisions, maybe not with physical dice, but we kind of go, ah, I think this is the best one, and if God's in it, it'll work. Right? When we make decisions, we don't necessarily go, God, what do you think? Give me the answer. We kind of look at the logistics, and maybe I'm speaking to a dead room, and this is just me, but I go, oh, A and B, A looks really pretty. God would have me do A. All right, because A looks really good. B, maybe not so good. Maybe not a business decision that I would make. Maybe not a personal relationship decision that I would make. A is the right one. God, won't you bless it because it's your will, right? we make a decision... And we hope for the best. A word of the Lord comes to Jonah. You think Christians need to wonder about what the word of the Lord is for us and what his will is? Psalms 143.10 says, Teach me to do your will. Teach me to do your will. For you are my God. Let your good spirit lead me on level ground. So so here's God talking to the psalmist, and he says, look, I've adopted you as my child, as we know through Scripture, and and just like any good parent would do, I'm going to advise you, and I'm going to teach you, and I'm going to lead you on how to follow me. So how do we follow God's will? How do we know God's will? There's two ways. The first one, we've been given the biggest step, his word, right here, 2 Timothy 3, 16. Through uh, chapter four, one says, "All Scripture is breathed out by God, profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work." Now, if you've been in church for a while, you know this text. You've heard it. It's kind of been ingrained inside of your brain. We kind of we kind of get it, but we skip oftentimes the next verse. We need to keep in mind the context that this verse comes in. Paul is writing to a guy named Timothy. It's kind of his pupil. And so the next verse says this. After he says all the things about what the Word of God is, right, it's for reproof, all these other things, he says, I charge you, meaning like you need to go do this, in the presence of God and of Jesus Christ, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom to preach. The word to proclaim. This is not a the, the, don't don't get bogged down in the English language right here. Preach. This is literally just a word that says proclaim. So it's not just limited to this little you know two by two square up here for me. This is for you as a Christ follower as well to proclaim the word. Be ready in season and out of season to reprove, rebuke, exhort with complete patience and teaching. And what you can see from this passage and from Jonah's story is that God saves and then God sends. God saves and then God sends. And so he gives us this word to instruct us on how to live, on how to understand his will. He saved us and now he's sending us. And how do we know what we're supposed to do in this sent process? He, in his word, says, hey, here's how to live. Here's how to make decisions. Here's how to discern who you should marry. So the first thing that he gives us on how to understand his will, how to know the word of the Lord, is literally the word of the Lord. The second thing he gives us, we get a benefit here that the Old Testament folks don't get. We get the Spirit. Romans 8.11 says that the, the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, lives inside of Christ followers. If you ever feel like you're not enough, you don't have what it takes, remember that you don't have to. You don't have to be enough. You don't have to have what it takes. Because the same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead as a Christ follower lives inside of you. And so, in some ways, I would say, don't be enough. Like, don't rest on your strength. Lean on his. Second Peter 2, 1, 3 says, His divine power has granted to us all things, not most things, not some things, not good things, literally all things that pertain to life and godliness. He's granted us all things that pertain to life and to godliness through the knowledge of him who have called us to his own glory and excellence. So the first thing that we see in this text, I've given you a lot. I know this is heavy. We're we're, we're getting there. To see what you've never seen, we've got to do things we've never done. The first thing that we see in Jonah's life and the, the thing that God wants us to get is that the word has come to us. That's no small thing. God's word has come to us. That is a huge thing. So just like Jonah, the word of the Lord came to Jonah. What are we supposed to do with this? Verse 2, Jonah chapter 3, verse 2. Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. Now here's the message. It was one of repentance. Repentance means to, to turn away. And the purpose of the word of God. Uh, there's a lot of great things in that teach us how to live our life and how to do the day in and day out and how to seek after Him. But the overall purpose of, of the Bible is to reveal God's glory and our need to turn to Him. It, it's repentance. Essentially, you need to stop doing things the way you want to do them and do things the way that He would have you do them. It's not about quick fixes and flex seal. It's about Long, eternal changes. Acts 3.19 verse part says, repent therefore and turn back that your sins may be blotted out. So sins blotted out, we go eternal, okay. That times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Repentance is needed for salvation. Most church folks get that. If you've been coming to church for any time, yeah, repentance, salvation, yeah. We kind of fall asleep on that type of Thinking, because a lot of times we're like, "Hey, how do I fix my life?" And now, right? I get the eternal, heaven's coming, praise the Lord. But I'm in the living hell now. So how do I fix that? What does He say? In order for us to receive refreshing and renewal, we got to repent. Well, 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 Pastor, I, I repented. I, I walked down an aisle. I said this prayer. I went to camp. I did this. I did those things. Repentance is a daily process it's 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 a thing that we that we walk in I walk in it literally with my wife probably every day right Ha ha. thanks appreciate that thank you appreciate that I mean seriously like I think with God sometimes we kinda of, we, we take away that aspect but think about the close relationships you have in your life you probably mess up on a regular basis and so if you mess up on a regular basis what should you be doing on a regular basis Asking for forgiveness and trying to do something different. And this is what God is trying to get us to do with him. We recognize that he is good. And so we go, God, please forgive me. I'm going to try to turn away from these things. A pastor, David Prince, says it like this. There's an initial act of faith and repentance at the moment of conversion. But after that, the process of faith, process of faith, And repentance constitutes a daily discipline, the Christian's lifestyle, and a path to joy thereafter. If you're lacking in joy in your life, maybe you're lacking in repentance. If you're lacking to see the goodness of God, and you're lacking to see the top of that mountain because all you see is the mountain that's in front of you, step after step, and every time you look up, you see clouds, you can't see the top. Maybe you're struggling because you haven't truly turned from whatever it is in your life. Jonah has experienced this idea of repentance and now is going to these same people that he was fleeing from to declare repentance. The word that came to him wasn't to cleanse himself. It was to submit himself. And that leads us to another point. I think if you're taking notes, it says God word, God's word calls for change. It calls for repentance. And that's in every aspect of your life. We, we've got we to see his word. We've got to recognize it. And then we've got to repent. And that's a daily thing. So to see things that we've never seen, we got to do things that we've never done. In order to get to that place, we've got to recognize God's word. We've got to turn and, and, and run back to him. Continue on in verse 3. So Jonah arose. So he's received the word. He's recognized the repentance call. Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city. Three days' journey in breadth. So Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's journey, and he called out, Yet 40 days in Nineveh shall be overthrown. It's a city he was scared to go to, fearful. And now he stands emboldened to say, Hey, in 40 days, if you don't turn, destruction is coming. This is repentance on display. Jonah persevered. You've heard the story over and over again about what Jonah went through. And now he stands in front of this city that he was afraid of, in front of these people. And he says, turn to God. What journey are you on? Thinking about Jonah's journey. Let's look at your journey. Where, where are you on this path? Maybe it's following God. Maybe, maybe you've been trying to stay as close to that road as you can, but you find yourself veering constantly for whatever reason. Maybe it's not with God. Maybe you go like, I don't know about this whole road thing. I, I kind of like my road over here. But you find yourself over and over again Asking the question, isn't there more? Isn't there more to life? Jonah puts repentance on display for us. And, and I'm, my heart is completely broken and moved for what I see because what's about to happen is beautiful. Verse 5. And the people of Nineveh believed... God, The people of Nineveh, these cruel, torturing, violent, vicious people that Jonah was so fearful of that he would run from God, knowing good and well what that meant, he finally stands in front of them and declares the message that you're wrong with boldness (laughs) the people believed I mean wow I I don't know what kind of mountains you have in your life but that's a massive mountain that Jonah is staring at, and he's like, I, there's no way to make it through this, God. Why would you send me here to die? So I'm going to run. No, you're not. Storm's coming. Then you're going to get thrown over. Then a fish is going to get you. Then you're going to get there, and you're going to proclaim turn, repentance. You're wrong. And I can only imagine even as much faith as Jonah had, he was still going, I'm about to die. Right? And what does it say? That the people of Nineveh believed God. Not only did just like a few people, it says that they called for a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least of them. This is a representation that the city, a, a city that is three days breadth, meaning that, that it would take three days to travel from one end of the city to the next. A massive, big, populous place Believed in God because Jonah's faithfulness displayed God's greatness. Maybe that's what we need to start doing. We just need to be faithful. And if we'll be faithful, if we'll just sow seed, if we'll just pour water, what does the scripture say? That God makes it grow. To see what you've never seen will require you to do what you've never done. In this text, we can see that the supernatural happens because Jonah takes the natural steps that God has called him to. If you need to see supernatural change in your life, can can you pray for it? Should you pray for it? Absolutely. But in so many ways, I think God... Is kind of yelling back at us. Take the natural steps that I've already told you to take. Like go to the Word. Repent. Seek after me. Get with other believers. Run the race with endurance. Strip aside all sin that so easily entangles you and run the natural race so that you can see the supernatural change it's not rocket science but you and i make it so complicated don't we we get so bogged down and i need to change now there used to be a time in my ministry and in my life when i I would walk i'd watch preachers and other leaders and i go man if I could just be like them, if I could just have their talent, if I could just have their knowledge, their wisdom. And several years ago, God just woke me up and said, I've made you you. Why don't you just walk in that? Like I've made you you. I can't bless the, the you that wants to be somebody else, but I can bless you. Just take the natural steps. Be the man of God or the woman of God that called that has called that he has called you to be. Be that person. This book has put on display Paul's writing in Ephesians 3. It says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly, like not just what we barely ask, but far more abundantly, than all we ask or think according to the power at work within us. Not our actions, not our gifting, not how amazing you are, not all the things at- according to the power of work within us. Remember that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead that's now in you? That's it. The power of work that is within you. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Now to him. Now to him. We have got to stop as people of God, as His church, we've got to stop trying to do things the way we've always done them and begin to follow God with all that we have. I don't know where you are this morning. I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't know what journey you find yourself in but I've been praying over this text and this message all week. It, almost for my heart. Not even necessarily for you guys, just for me. Because I sometimes I doubt the supernatural power of God. And it's because I don't see it sometimes. And what was revealed to me this week is that it's because I'm not always doing the natural steps that he's called me to do. Like, I don't take the natural things that he's saying, hey, here's the day in and out stuff. Like, be connected with me. Read my word. Pause. Pray. Fast. All all these things. Connect with the people of God. Look for opportunities to share. I I heard a pastor say one time... I was at a a meeting with a bunch of, I think we were all executive pastors in the room. So basically what that means in organizational church structures is like you're a number two. One of the guys looked in the room and said, look, if you're a number two and you find yourself behind a number one who's maybe struggling, maybe not seeing, you know, the, the vision of God, because here's the deal. Every single pastor gets in that place. There isn't one who hasn't been there. You got your favorite pastor? He's been in a dark hole before. It is what it is. And so he looked at us and said, number two, when your pastor gets to that place, help them get around lost people. Help them get around lost people. And all of us in the room go, what is this dude talking about? And he said, if you get them around lost people, the fire and the flame for what they've been called to do will Ignite. The ember's probably still there, but it's being choked out by all the other things around it. Get them around. Get them to do the natural things that I've called them to do. The day in and day out things. And what you'll see will be the supernatural change. To see things the way we've never seen them, we've got to start doing things that we've never done. So in your life this morning, Where's the struggle? Where's, where's the hurt, a habit, hang-up? Where, where's the area that you'd go, man, I'd love to see God move here? Maybe ask the question, what, what are you doing to see God's supernatural hand move in that place? Are, are, are you confiding in a brother and sister in Christ to help lift you up to, to go to battle? Are you taking the small steps every day to see victories? Like the battle belongs to God. But he's called us in the trenches with him through all of these natural ways. I believe that if we as this church humble ourselves and seek after him, as his word says, we will see amazing supernatural change in the city and in our church, in our workplaces, in our homes. And all it takes is just a few natural steps to see his supernatural powers change everything. Let's pray. God, we come this morning to give an offering of ourselves, to follow what you've called us to do, to seek it after your word, to repent, and then to act in that repentance, to, to, to take steps following after you. God, if there's anyone underneath the sound of my voice this morning that's that's never taken that first step of repentance to put their faith in you. God, will you draw them near this morning? Will you help them to see that you sent your son, Jesus, to die on the cross so that they could be reunited with you? That their sins would be as far from the east as from the west. And that you're giving them a new road, a new journey to walk in every single day. Draw them this morning. God, for, for, the, for the church, for those who have professed their faith in Christ this morning, Lord, Lord I just ask that um, you'll give us the strength to walk in that enduring faith every single day. that that we will be a people who takes the the natural steps that you've given us, the easy ones, the the, the ones that, that you call us to. And then through that faith, just like Jonah, we'll see your greatness on display. The impossible dreams coming true because you are you. Alpha and Omega, Creator, King of Kings, Lord of Lords. God, draw us to your hearts. Help us pour it out. Give it to you. It's in your son's name I pray. Amen.